Um, we've been reading this book, uh, Forgiven to Forgive, and, uh, and talking about reconciliation as a church. And so hopefully you keep going on this. My reminder, some of you have finished. Some of you got about a week to go. Some of you just went, oh, I got to pick that back up. Um, so wherever you are in that, um, keep going. And uh, this morning I was reading and I had a thought and I thought I'm probably not the only one that has had this thought. So I want to bring it up. So I'm reading it this morning, and, uh, and it, there's kind of a pattern in each day. And the pattern is, here's something to remind you about God's forgiveness and how great God's forgiveness is. Therefore, you can forgive other people. And so I was reading this morning, and I'm like, boy, each day is kind of the same. And then this little like, light bulb went off and goes, that's the point, right? That's the point. God's forgiveness is so great. So uh, let's open up into prayer and we'll jump into our message this morning. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our church family, for the things that you are doing in it. We thank you for the things that you're doing through it. As uh, Pastor Rich um, reported this morning, the youth group is growing. What a wonderful problem to have. God, we praise you for that. We thank you for reconciliation. We thank you for healing. We thank Thank you for your hand upon uh, individuals and ministries here, and there's so many other stories that we can tell, but God, you are to be glorified, so we thank you and praise you. May you open up our hearts as we jump into your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been doing this series on our identity in Christ, and uh, last night, actually a few of you, and uh, by God's grace, uh, my wife and I were at the Mercy Me concert last night. Unfortunately, the Comperones didn't feel like going, and so they gave us uh, their tickets, and so we were there, and I, I don't know if it, those of you that are there, there's a few of you, according to Facebook, that were there, um, but uh, the, the lead singer got up, and he was talking in the middle, and I'm like, he is totally talking about my message series. Like, he was just <laughs> hammering, and I'm like, hey, just preach it, brother. And, and his point was, part of his testimony was, you know, growing up at a Southern Baptist church, we knew that we were saved by the cross, but then it was like we were saved, and then it was like somebody said, and here's 10 other things that you should probably do just to make sure. And, and he was saying that growing up in the, in the church, there was always just kind of this feeling of not being good enough, being a sinner, uh, and this guilt. And so many of his songs, if you listen to them, are about who we are in Christ. And he even said, uh, he's got a little AD, you know, ADHD, and he said, I, I need to do these things to remind myself about who we are in Christ. And, and that was part of my... Uh, reasoning and wanting to do this series. Because, look, we're all sinners. We, we have all fallen short. Scripture is clear about that. But we often forget what Scripture says about who we are today, that we are new creations, that we are forgiven, uh, as we're going to talk about uh, on Easter Sunday, that we are redeemed. And we, when we think about those things, it causes us to act differently think differently about ourselves and act differently about other people. So we have talked about in this series that we're forgiven, that we're free, that we're blessed, that we're ambassadors. Last week that we are family. And this morning, I want to remind us that we are gifted. Now, as often is the case in Dave's preaching, uh, he sits down many, many months before and lays out a preaching schedule. And he laid out, I am gifted. And then the week of, he studies, and then he goes, oh, this isn't exactly going like I had planned. And part of that is, because I think God is 
um, and I'm just, confession's good. God is working in me in what my thoughts of what it means to be gifted and how those gifts work in the body of Christ. And I'm realizing I have a minority view of that, so I can't wait for my discussion with Frank on Tuesday when he says, I can't believe you said those things. But um, I'm changing my view a little bit and what this means, and, and um, so that's going to come out a little bit. But what I want to talk about this morning is who we all are in Christ. We can agree on that. What we uh, are all called to do, I think we can agree on that. And then uh, how does this work its way out in the body of Christ? And I'm going to introduce kind of some different thoughts in what that might look like. And part of that comes from being a pastor for so many years and a youth pastor. There's, there's certain questions that I get all the time. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, don't you think we're living in the end times? Uh, isn't this, this, and the rapture, and isn't, I mean, just let's talk about end times, and then I said, let's not. Or, you know, I was a youth pastor, so, um, you know, we talked about all the dating, but more importantly, who is it that God wants me to marry? That's really what the questions we're getting down to. And how do I know this is the person? And once we get through all those questions, the other questions that people have wrestled with in our modern day church is, what are my special gifts and what am I called to do? And as I was thinking about this, it's something that we wrestle with. And it's almost as if the scripture says, look, you have a special gift from God, but he's not going to tell you what it is. You got to figure it out. And God's got some special things for you to do, but he's not going to tell you what it is. And some of us live in some anxiety over this. Are these my gifts? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? At least I do at times. And so I want to look at this. And so let's, who, who we all are in Christ. You and I are God's workmanship. You and I are God's workmanship. I'm taking that word right from Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, his work of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, as you're writing down workmanship in your notes, I want you to think about this. I love this last part of Ephesians there where he says that we are to walk in it because it, it doesn't seem like something we're hunting for or some secret we're trying to find. It just seems like something that we are to walk into. And I love that picture. But let me start with your God's workmanship. You're his work of art. Uh, I was in a church one time and the, the pastor came up with this idea of, of us having a, a kind of a work of art Sunday. And we were, we were celebrating these special abilities that were represented in the body of Christ. And so he asked people to bring to church on Sunday things that they had created, special abilities. And so you, you can imagine, right? We had knitted things and we had quilts, right? There was some special foods there and there was all sorts of different things, but men are different. And so there was this other section where this guy had designed some golf clubs. I was really into that. And one guy in this church, it was just amazing. He had built his own wood chipper. 
He had built the, every, the engine. The, it looked like something you could buy at Home Depot. It was beautiful. But he had built this from the ground up. And there's cars in the parking lot. And all these, all these people have these different abilities. And we're so different. And sometimes we, don't, we just don't celebrate that enough. You are God's work of art. Now, I'm saying that in a positive way, because sometimes we're dealing with people and we walk away and we go, that person's a real work of art. Not that, not that kind of work of art. I mean, you are God's beautiful, finished product. It's beautiful. You are God's workmanship. And so second, you were created that as that wonderful, beautiful work of art to do good works. God isn't just putting you on display so people can walk by and look at it. You are a working piece of art, an active piece of art that is supposed to be out there doing things. Good works. Now that's terrifying for some of us. What does that look like? What does that mean? What good works? They're not hidden from you. God puts all sorts of opportunities and things in your midst. And the beautiful thing about scripture is he says, those things, you've been empowered to do them. God has empowered you to do that. How does he empower you to do that? Through his spirit. So, God's word says in 1 Corinthians, and there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You are being empowered by God to do the things that he has laid out in front of you. So you are God's workmanship. You were created for good works. You're empowered to do those things. Fourth, you are gifted. You are gifted. First Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Where I'm rethinking this a little bit in my own life, and you can, I think both of these will work for this sermon because um, we're not all probably going to get to be on the same page here because I'm wrestling with this. When we see the word gift in scripture, those of you who grew up in the church, it has become to mean a special ability. A God-given special ability. You have the ability to teach or to, to uh, serve or to administer or whatever that is. And so how do we figure those things out? Well, fortunately, somebody came up with a test for that. And so uh, we take a, a spiritual gifts test and we figure out what that special ability is. And some churches, they don't do that. And they say, well, you should ask your friends and you should find out what feels right for you and try different things. And there's all these different things. And it feels like this hidden thing that I'm supposed to figure out. But I think it's in that word gifted, by the way, is just gift. It's just gift. Um, and words are funny. If I say I'm giving you a gift, you say, oh man, I'm getting a present. But if I say, man, that guy is gifted, that has a totally different connotation. The Greek doesn't have that connotation in it. We've put that on it 
because of the lists that come after it. It means gift, and it's used in different places. So we have this idea of gift, and we have an idea of what that means. In Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now, I don't think that gift is a special ability. He's talking about what he's going to, to bring to the table. In Romans 6.23, it says, For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of... Oh, no, I'm saying it wrong. Um, I had the wrong, wrong Romans verse. He didn't want to do that. Um, for, for the wages of sin is death, but the what? Yeah, it's the same word. And so you see, the word is, is just kind of a little bit different there. So one author brought up, and this has been really helpful to me, gifts can be better explained as our responsibilities in the body, our roles, our assignments, our ministries. God has given us the good works that he set out in front of us to do. Those are our assignments. Those are gifts. They're the roles that we participate in. Don't think of it as, I serve and, and this person teaches and this person administers. We, those things that we do and God's going to empower us to do whatever it is that he's placed in front of us. To, all those things need to be done. Ministry assignments. All the gifts can be described as ministries, but not all the gifts can be described as abilities. And what do you do with like music abilities? Is that a gift or an ability? So there's so many different things there. So I think abilities are abilities and gifts are roles and responsibilities. But either way, we need to think of them as corporate assets, not as individual assets. The gifts that were given to us were given so that the body of Christ could be built up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of many members, uh, of one member, but many. Right? And so the idea is, and this follows up that whole spiritual gifts, is that these things, that these abilities or these roles and ministries, I think, more accurately, are for the corporate good of the church. I'm not looking for what I do. I'm looking at what I do for the body. As God strengthens, to, God strengthens all of us to accomplish whatever he set before us. Now, the one thing that we always talk about, if we look at it, gifts and the idea of spiritual uh, ability is, well, doesn't sometimes God ask us to operate or to serve outside our giftedness? Yeah, he does. Sometimes he asks us to operate in our weakness. And so, look, whatever role or responsibility God gives you, we want to do it with the strength and leading that he provides. So we are all God's workmanship. We are created for good works. We're empowered to do them. You are gifted. If you want to look at that as a special ability, I think think it's better to look at it as a role or responsibility. But however you look at that, we're gifted to do the things that God has called us to do. He set before us. They're right in front of us. 
things that we do to build up the body of Christ. So what are we called to do? What are those things? Let's just be really simple here. Jesus, what's the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. What has God set before you? He is to love God. As a church, we said, how do we grow in our love for God? We spend time in scripture together. We pray together. We worship together. There's so many other things. But, but in that, just as a church, let's just focus on how you and I are wrestling with God's word in our life and applying it and living it out. Let's think about how we as a church worship, how we actively respond to God. Let's think about as a church how we're communicating with God uh, for ourselves and for one another. Let's love God. And then Jesus said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we've said, love people. How do we do that? Well, we're a family, and we talked about that last week, and we get involved in our community, and we, we want to be purposeful about peacemaking because we don't think the world is very good at that. We're not very good at it, and we're saying, boy, that really points out God's forgiveness. That's, those are the ways that we love people. And we've said that we want to make disciples, all of us, not the pastors, all of us, make disciples. And so we've said as a church, how do we do that? How do we make disciples? And one of our focuses is, you know what? We just, we're really simple people around here. And we've said, you know what? If we're going to make disciples, we need to actually spend time with people. Let's, let's be crazy here. And so we've used the word hospitality. How is it that we actually just interact with people? How do we serve people? What's the mission that God has placed before us? Now, the, the passage that we looked at at the beginning in Ephesians, you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are all called to do good works, to help, to serve, to meet a need, to pray for, to lift somebody up, to encourage. We're all called to do that, to build up the body of Christ. This 1 Corinthians 12 passage. Let me just read this passage. If you can turn there if you want. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. There's some interesting background here. There's some stuff going on in Corinth in the idol worshiping where the priests had these special abilities. And so I think partly Corinth is saying, what are our special abilities? And Paul is answering that a question and we're getting off track in his answer. And, and he's saying, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, verse three, Jesus accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, the same spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There's a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. We are to be doing these things to build up the body of Christ. Ask yourself. What have I done? What am I doing that is for the common good of the body of Christ? What have I done 
What am I doing that is not acting in a way that is for the common good of the church? These are to be manifestations of the Spirit as they work out in our church. Now, in a, in a way to figure out how this operates, we've, we mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago, Rick Warren and his pur- purpose-driven life. Uh, this church went through it many, many years ago before I was here. And uh, he has a chapter, a couple chapters on how to, to do this, how to discover your spiritual gift. And he uses the acronym SHAPE. Uh, and do so, any of you guys remember that? It's a few of you, SHAPE. So it stood for spiritual gifts, uh, abilities, um, uh, excuse me, yeah, uh, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. And uh, Pastor Rich and I, have been, we've been kind of redoing some of the documentation here. And so we redid the, the membership class, and uh, we were encouraged by uh, James and others to go, hey, what is it that, uh, how are we teaching people how to get involved and assimilate in the life of the church? And so we said, we're going to write a class on loving God, loving people, making disciples. And then we were doing this, I told Richard, I said, I'm going to use this shape thing. This was really helpful in discovering spiritual gifts and things like that. And then I did this whole study and I'm like, ah. So I'm throwing shape out and I've come up with Harvest. It's a new acronym for an old concept. So I've thrown two out. Spiritual gifts, I'll change a little bit. I, I don't really uh, care what your personality is. Um, so <laughs> a little bit of psycho mumbo jumbo there if you ask me. All right. So here are seven things we do to point us towards our serving in the body of Christ to have a harvest. The H stands for heart. I, I like that idea, uh, although I, I, I'm gonna, I want to ch- think about the concept a little bit. Three things I think that the word heart includes. It means that we should be serving God with a clean heart. Now, we're all sinners, yes. Um, but if we're in a place of serving God, we should be in a place of where we are going through a process of repentance and growing and walking in the Spirit. You remember when uh, the first kind of problem in the church breaks out and there was a group of non-fully uh, Jewish uh, widows and a group of Jewish widows and they weren't being cared for equally. And so they come to the disciples and say, you got to take care of this problem. And they said, no, no, no. This will distract us from what we're supposed to do. We're going to create a new office called deacons. And they're going to take care of it. And the first requirement for a deacon was that he would be full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. And so that is the aspect of that I have repented, I, have, I am in growth process with Jesus Christ, and God's Spirit is filling me and leading me. We need a clean heart. The last thing we need as a church is just sticking people into roles and responsibility without looking at their heart. Serving God out of a loving heart. Uh, boy, you know, I joke about this all the time, but sometimes Christians are really grumpy people. Man, thank you for working with our children. I think they would enjoy a smile on Sunday morning. Okay? 
I am so glad that you are here working and, and through the chairs. I wish you could do it without complaining, okay? We, we should be serving God out of a loving heart because we want to. Now, I also think we should be serving God out of the passions he gave us. So let's say God puts a teaching thing in front of you and you have the abilities to teach or you feel that you have the gifts to teach, however you want to look at that. And look, even within that, God may give you a different passion group that you want to work with. All right? If somebody says, Dave, do you want to teach? I go, absolutely. No, I don't say that anymore. I say, who? Because if the answer is preschoolers, I'm going to say, God has not spoken to me there. If you say college students, I'll say, I'm there. Okay, it's just, there's a certain passion for me in what I feel comfortable with. And it's funny how people just assume that, that everybody wants to do these different things. My wife has, has constantly struggled with this. Well, you're the pastor's wife. Do you want to work in the nursery? No, I don't. It's not her passion. We had kids, we're done with that. <laughs> What's your passion? What, what? I mean, Michelle has a passion for teen moms. It comes out, it pours out of her. She can't avoid it. It is, that passion has so come out in Michelle that now she's working with domestic violence. Why? Because the two are just like, it's her passion. And so God has given people different passions. Second, abilities. The A stands for abilities. There are things that you are able to do. There are things that you are able to do that I am not able to do. If David can't lead worship, he doesn't call me. except to tell me he can't lead worship and he starts giving me some options. Now, if you go down the list of options for leading worship, I am down there with other people who just might be breathing is the only qualification. <laughs> that's, not, that's not my ability. Okay, now, those abilities you have special talents that God has given you or that you've learned, that you've worked for. You have those. To have people oper operate outside the talents that God doesn't make any sense. Now, even beyond those talents, some people have some different experiences that lead them into different ministry opportunities. Now, that's not to say that we just totally nullify everybody because they've never had experience. Somebody has to get some experience. Hopefully that comes in the discipleship process. But sometimes we go, man, who's done this before? Who's worked through this before? Now, I also, as I was thinking about this, I pastor a multi-generational church. And what I see sometimes is people that have the talent and they have the experience. But if we're honest, they no longer have the strength to do that. Now, I'm not saying, I'm saying it's time to find something else to do. 
okay? I, it hasn't gotten to this, but we're getting close to having a list, right, Dean, of people who can be on a ladder and people who can't be on a ladder. And somebody comes in, I'm going to change the light bulb, and I say, light bulb, and I say, hold on a second. You see if you're on the list. No, I'm sorry, your wife called us. You cannot climb a ladder. I'm, it's, getting, I'm, it's getting to that. Look, yes, you've changed the light bulb. Yes, you have the ability to change the light bulb. I am saying you should no longer be on a ladder changing said light bulb. And so we think about how that changes. Now, I want to say even as a pastor, I'm thinking about that. I'm 50. Some of you have me at 65 for some reason, but I'm 50. My kids... Married young, all right? I'm a grandpa, but I'm 50. And if I'm honest, I have 15 to 20 more years of ministry. My good friend Jess had set the, uh, the uh, number at 70 at his church. He said, I'm done at 70. I think he's past 70, and I don't think he's done. But he set the number. He's not quite. I think he's just before. So I have 15 or 20 years. Look, I want to spend part of that 15 or 20 years passing some of that stuff off while I have the strength to the next generation. And I want to do that for three reasons. One's biblical. Two, I want to ensure the health of the church and the next generation. But three, selfishly. I'm going to tell you right now, being a pastor for so many years, it's hard to sit in church. Frank's nodding his head. Thank you, brother. It's hard because you're going, man, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have done that. You know, I just been in there for so long. I want to set myself up to, to move into the next phase. So it's hard to think about what does that mean? Do I have the strength to do that anymore? And so I, most people don't have that on their list, but I have it on mine. Third, R stands for relationships. So I want to operate in what God's passions and, and abilities he has given me, but I want to do that within the realm of the relationships that he has put into my life. Those race relationships include the, the family that I'm a part of. Right? That, that's one of my first ministries. But also the body of Christ that he's placed me in. I want to, I want to think about how I can use my gifts and abilities in those circles. Now, the problem is, if I'm honest, I can say, oh, family, church, I'm booked. I can't, I can't find another moment. And I have to push myself and us, make sure that we're also using those in the community. How am I, how am I using what God has given me in the community in which he's placed me? So we have heart, uh, we have abilities, uh, we have the relationships, and the V stands for value. There's a lot of things that we can do. And, and I just want to say this, as, as we look at the categories love God and love people, we can make almost everything fit into that. Vision is supposed to narrow things down, but love God and love people, pretty wide open. 
So we want to make sure that we are spending the majority of our time on things that have eternal value. Man, that's hard. There's a lot of things that I would like to do, but a lot of them don't have eternal value. And I want to say that I think that we have a temptation. We're in Christ. Our salvation is secure. Heaven is before us. And there's all this stuff that's in the world that's appealing. And we say, let's just try to get as much of this stuff in before we get to heaven. And and I don't want to say that heaven, there's nothing missing in heaven. Now, then we go, well, wait a minute. Does that mean there's golf in heaven? Does that mean there's, you know, baseball? Does that mean there's uh, crafting, quilting? Are we going to, man, is it? Can we do it and, and glorify God? Golfing? Sometimes, most of the times, it's, it, it could go either way. Does it have eternal value? Um, and so I think for me, one of the categories that I, I, I need to push as your pastor and, and as, as a follower of Jesus is that idea of making disciples because people are of eternal value. People are of eternal value. And I, I want to make sure that they're there. And I, I, it's hard. I get it. I get it. It's very hard. Now, Warren had in his list experience. And I, and I, I thought that this was, was very helpful. So I'm stealing this, borrowing it, but I cite it, so it's okay. Six different kinds of experience, and you can find this in Warren's book. You don't have enough space, I don't think, to write these down. But your family experiences. Your family experiences open up things of conversations and areas of ministry that other people may not have. Some of you in this church have had wayward sons that have come back, and that was a hard process, and there's younger people that are going through that. It's helpful. It's amazing to me as I get to know so many people, uh, the older generation in this church, so many in our church have has, a lot of have lost a child, and so they have a unique understanding and ministry there. Um, so many of you have, have gone through financial and th- just different things, experiences, educational experiences. Uh, some of you have had opportunities that uh, some of us had opportunities to, to go to school and have these different things. And we want to offer those to other people. Uh, vocational experiences. There's there's people that bring a unique perspective because of of places where they've worked and things that they've experienced and done or places that they've been. Spiritual experiences. God has healed you. God has delivered you. God has uh, encouraged you. God has uh, taught you. God has whatever that experience is that you have to offer other people or ministry experiences. <laughs> oh, man, I, it's so fun. I love having conversations with Pastor Rich, and he doesn't, I don't think, uh, think that I'm as funny as I think I am when I'm talking with him. <laughs> Um, and and he, he's getting sick of hearing this from me, but boy, they had some issues with their car this past week, and they had to get a new transmission, which was very expensive, and, and he was lamenting to me, and I said, welcome to ministry. And he said, what does that have to do with ministry? I'm just telling you, I've been in ministry. Frank is laughing, right? <laughs> welcome to ministry. It's like, oh, you have got to be kidding me. 
the ministry experiences. There's things that you've worked with children and done different things that you have a perspective that's helpful. And then lastly, and please hear this, one of the experiences we don't talk about enough is painful experiences. There are things that you have been through that you would rather not talk about but are beneficial to the greater body of Christ. And for God to bring you through that, we we almost have to circle back and help somebody else through it. So the S, you can write whichever one you're more comfortable with, spiritual gifts. I, I like to say spiritual responsibilities. Spiritual responsibilities. Going back to Romans chapter 12, um, and, he, and he says here, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Um, for to one is given through the, spirits, uh, the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles. What, if these opportunities to build up the body of Christ through these things. So what's my God-given responsibility? What, what is it? What, what is it that I need to bring to my family? What is it I need to bring to my, to my church? What is it I need to bring uh, to my, the friends around me? What, what has God enabled me to do through all these things? And then finally, the last T stands for treasure. The majority of our time should be given to the things that are eternal. And I, I think when I say that, I, I think that you would, would agree with me, I hope. Um, you know, I guess if we're honest, the majority of our time is spent sleeping, right? I mean, what is it? Some of you go, I wish. Um, there's a commercial right now for a mattress and the, and the comedian gals, and, and she says, uh, you know, you, you can't skimp on a mattress. It's where you spend half your life and eat all your meals. Um, you're like, what? Wait, um, the treasure. If, if the value is that we should spend the majority of our time with things of eternal value, then the treasure is those are also the things that we should invest our finances in. We, we have to... Now, how do, we, how do we build the kingdom of God? As a church, we are a group of gifted individuals who have different passions, different abilities, different relationships. We all share the same value. We have different experiences. We have different responsibilities. We have different levels of treasure, but we all use that to build up the body of Christ and make disciples. Don't be looking for some hidden thing that you're supposed to be doing. Just do it. Don't be waiting for some magical word to go speak to that person. Just do it. Don't be thinking about, I don't know whether I should do this or this. Is it going to glorify God? Is it a good work? Is it going to build up the body of Christ? Is it going to make disciples? Then do it. So here's the application. Instead of focusing on some special ability, focus on your God-given responsibilities 
to love God, to love people, to make disciples, to do good work. to build up the body of Christ. Instead of focusing on our special abilities, focus on what God has given you a passion for. Man, so many different groups and abilities and passions in this church as I look around. And then focus on the relationships that God has already given you. We have an opportunity with Easter to look at the relationships in our circles and say, man, I I want to share something with you. Now, look, please give an invitation. Please give a couple invitations this week to Easter Sunday next week. But as I was thinking about it this morning, if I say to somebody, come to church, Um, I am saying I would really like you to be a part of the group that I'm a part of. Church. Specifically, First Baptist Church in the corner of 2nd and Lincoln. I think you'd get a lot out of it. But there's hundreds of people that are saying, be a part of our group. Join our gym. uh, Come serve at our club. Whatever it is. And if I just invite people to church, and I never share with them what God has done and why I think it's important that they follow Jesus, they might walk away with going, I don't want to be a part of their church, and apparently they don't think there's anything more important to share with me than I should be a part of their church. So you have a group of people that are in your circle of influence. Pray that God would give you an opportunity. Pray that God would bring Uh, other people in their life, pray that they would be convicted, pray that they would be led, pray that they would be drawn, but who are the people in your circle that you need to interact with? It's hard. We did it just recently. We've been praying for a family member uh, for a long time, and on vacation, we made a special point of this, we're going to do it. And, you know, man, it's hard, especially when it's family. It's hard. We did it. It's hard. Why did we do it? Because it has eternal value. Who is it that God is moving you to invest in? Instead of sitting back there going, I don't know what my spiritual gift is and I don't know what God called me to do, I want you to hear this this morning. God's empowered you, God's gifted you, and there's plenty to do. Let's pray. God, thanks for uh, this morning as we wrestle with your word. Thank you uh, for this church and for the things that it does uh, for each other and for the community. Uh, May you continue to guide us, grow us, and lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.